Greetings in Jesus' name. I think this may be about the second time I've stood behind this pulpit, so I feel a little nervous here. Um, I do remember last time I was here, uh, Brother Dennis said he'd pray if I'd preach, so I hope he still remembers that. Anyways, um, the topic for today is uh, the vision or the purpose of the church, and I think we'll kind of somewhat look at that on a more individual basis. What What is your vision? What is, what, what is the purpose of the church? What do you think is the purpose of the church? Michelangelo, the great painter and sculptor, was once asked how, was, how he was able to create such a masterful statues. His answer was something like, I'm not sure how it works exactly, but I'm able to see the vision of the beautiful statue in the marble even before it is extracted from the rock quarry. You see, once I catch the vision, the rest is very simple. I just chip away what does not belong. So what, what do you, when you see the church, or you as a Christian, what is your vision? Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So that's, that's a, not much explaining needed there, right? What does that mean, the people perish if there's no vision? That means they die, right? Or it's, it, it's done for. If there's no vision, that's it. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And I think already we've had some introduction into this train of thought today. How do people read us? What do they see in our lives? Do they see a dying people? Or do they see somebody that has a vision and that's keeping the law? So I try to kind of word, uh, kind of summarize this vision thing. Catching a vision is seeing things you like and working towards the goal before you really tangibly embrace it. Have you caught the vision? What is church life to you? Do you just come to church here on Sunday morning and sing together and read the Bible together and go home? You, Whatever you do after that, you never think about this whole religion thing, as it were? Or what is your vision? Well, first of all, let's turn to Colossians chapter 1. Where do we start off with? Like, how do we catch this vision? Colossians 1 verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So I think, first of all, we've got to realize who is our head, who is the head of the church. If we don't realize that, if we don't have that good shepherd that we talked about in our own hearts and lives, we will not have that vision, right? It will not be there. And also, thinking of that last word, preeminence, um, he... 
Christ is kind of is the distinction, or he's he's above others in rank or quality, or I don't know if it's even right to say it that way about Christ, but but he is just above others. So we could kind of say he's the head of the church. He is the law, right? If we go back to Proverbs 29, verse 18, there, where there is no vision, people perish, but he will keep us the law. So if we follow Christ, who is above everyone, and just, just continue in that, we will catch that vision. We will have that vision. So let's remember who is our head. So what will that vision do? Matthew 5, I'll be reading quite a bit of scripture today. Uh, Matthew 5, verses uh, 13 through 16. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor... Wherever shall be solid, it is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. A light on a hill. The light we shed is to edify, and then in turn to glorify God. So. We say it's not all about works, but it has to do with works, right? It says, verse 16 there, that they may see your good works. Do they see that you have a vision, that you're out there, you have a goal? Do they see that? And do they see who you are trying to glorify? John 15, verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. There again, there is something that we need to do in order to glorify God, which will show by our actions, right? And then going on to Matthew 22, 34-40. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Showing the difference here. Thou shalt love the Lord and also love thy neighbor as thyself. So your vision will show. It will show how you how you deal with people. And then along with that, John uh, 13, 35. 
By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So in a way, you think love, it, it seems like it's a small thing. But if we don't have love one for another, I think the people will perish, right? It'll die off. Like how can you come together and function as a group if you don't have love one for another? You might be able to work, work at it for a while, but eventually it will perish. So showing the difference among ourselves, showing the love and also to our neighbor. So then we go into um, sure we have to have this vision but we also we also will get called to go out and do something, right? So how do we handle that call when, when, we, when we really see the vision or get the vision, what happens then? Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 through 22. Matthew 8, 18 through 22. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. So I was, I'm not sure that last part, let the dead bury their dead, what does that mean? But I was, I was thinking, could we also compare that again with Proverbs 29? Where there is no vision, it's dead. Let the dead bury their dead. Let them take care of the stuff that doesn't really matter. What, what is important to us? Our vision will show. I got this out of a commentary or someplace. Um, bury my father talking about this man here that wanted to go bury his father. Probably his father was old and apparently near death. But it was a maxim among the Jews that if a man had any duty to perform to the dead, he was for that time free from the observance of any other precept or duty. So maybe this guy thought he had the right to stay back and, Jesus, you go on, I got to take care of something here. Maybe in their time, maybe that was kind of a, an expected thing or a accepted thing. But Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. Let them take care of that stuff. I got something else for you here right now. So can we, do we hear when God calls? Are we ready to follow? Or do we need to take care of some of these legitimate cares of life that are, that are good? But are they the best? First Corinthians 10, verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. We could maybe take that into, into the situation here. If it is 
just because it's good, it may not be edifying. So let's be careful when the call comes, let's, let's be ready to go. Let's have that vision and go. The children of Adam are always in extremes. Some will rush into the ministry of the gospel without a call. Others will delay long after they are called. The middle way is the only safe one, not to move a finger in the work till the call be given and not to delay a moment after. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth, and hid his lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, the good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which, then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye them profitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, this is kind of a pretty dramatic story here. These five servants, they were all servants, right? It didn't matter if he was a preacher, the deacon, the Sunday school teacher, it didn't matter. They were all called to do something. They were all servants. And I like that part. Uh, uh, where was that? Where it talks about um, verse 15. And to another one, and to every man according to his several ability. So the Lord, he asked for, these, for his servants to do what, what they were able. He didn't ask for more. So these guys... Sure, some had more talent than the others, but they all had what they could handle, right? 
And then also in verse 26, he says, Thou knewest that I reap where I sow not. Um, anyways, they knew, their, they knew their, their work. They knew their jobs. So there, there, was no, there was no excuses. There was no... They knew what they needed to do. And this one man, he hid his talent. So in this whole thought of vision, if you, if you have this, if you feel God calling you, what, what do you do about it? Like how easy is it for you to go talk to your co-worker? Like the guy you work with every day. The guy that knows you're a Christian maybe. Do you, do you go when the Lord has called you? What do you do with that talent? I know I was talking to Jaden and some of the guys yesterday, I think it was, and he's dealing with a certain couple there, and he said it's kind of a mission field of his. He's actually doing some work for him, but he, he's not charging them for this. And he says he's kind of waiting, waiting for the right time. So how, how do we handle these situations? Do we, are we ready? Are we, when that time comes, are we, will we be ready? And I also told him of a, I got a neighbor, I live in Nipo in a small town. And I have, a, I guess I would just say a very ungodly neighbor. I, I, I do stuff with him. I've gone, I've gone along when he goes hunting and I've gone target practicing with him. I do whatever, I've done different stuff with him. But if I'm at my house and he's at his house maybe working on some engine or something, something goes wrong, I can hear it in my yard. Um, and he's, he's not afraid about that. But I have, I just recently got a little Bible and I wrote his name in it and the date. I've given that Bible to him, but it's still in my, it's still in my drawer. <laughs> So you can pray for me that I will know when the right time is to give that Bible to him. As he has told me, if I enter a church building, it'll blow up. I mean, yeah, it won't do right, but that's how he, that's how he feels. Do we have that vision? And let, let's, let's not hide that talent. That brings me to my next point here, a heart for the lost. I guess maybe we did get into that already. Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 10 through 14. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you, that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. How think ye, if a man have an hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep 
than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. What's your vision? What was Christ's vision here? Why did he come? It says he came to save. And what was the will of the Father that was to save? Luke 19 verse 10 kind of says the same thing. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What have we come to seek? You know, I get, I get into this little rut, you know, I'll, you know, maybe I need to go to work. I mean, I, I need more money or, or I want to do this or I want to do that. What, what am I seeking? Am I, am I seeking and, and trying to save those that are lost? Or what, what is my goal? What is my vision? John 3.16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Do we have that heart for the lost? So that's looking out there. How about do we have a heart? We kind of looked at that already as well. But do we have a heart for our brother? Do you have a heart for the guy that's sitting next to you? And uh, here in Matthew 18, 23-35, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to repay, not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence, and he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his servants, fellow servants saw that he was what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother their trespasses. Do I have a forgiving heart towards my brother? You might say, okay, well, we're getting a little off track here. What's this to do with the vision or purpose of the church? But if we don't forgive our brother, will our vision be clear? We need to forgive our brother. I mean, some of this stuff, it might be so, so small, you know, it's, it's hardly worth talking about. But really, is it? Will it keep your vision clear if you just let her slip? Another one, heart for a brother, Matthew 20, 20 through 28. 
Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons worshipping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant me, grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on my right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. And he said unto them, Ye shall drink, ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to him for whom it is prepared for my father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are have sorry, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. A heart for a brother. How about that servanthood part? Our vision for the church, our personal vision should also include servanthood. And that again can, can really include our everyday lives. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? We don't, it's not, it's not to think that uh, this Christian life is just kind of some other, you know, this is a Christian life and this is a regular life. It's, it's one thing. It's, it's the cup of cold water. It's, it's just any little thing is actually part of that, of that, um, of that uh, whole Christian life. It's just a daily thing. I know we met, we had a Mother's Day and my dad's birthday party together at the park here just recently. And, and we had just started eating and then there's another young couple comes walking in and, and asked if they could use the bench right close to us. And he said, yeah, go ahead. And... Uh, and my dad just says, hey, do you guys need some food? And, and all he said, they brought some. And, and then later he comes and talks and stuff. And then he, and he was just so impressed just how, how things had happened here. And he says, yeah, this is this Romans, Romans 12, he says. And, you know, like, and yeah, like how are we ready to just do small little things in life? Are we, how do we handle them? Do we, it doesn't have to be anything big. But let's let's just let our light shine. Let's let's put that candle on the hill. Matthew twenty five, thirty one to forty six. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was unhungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous 
answered him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or in thirsty, or gave thee drink? Then saw we, when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall ye say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And I was unhungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life, or into eternal life. There is a difference. The small things in life, that verse 46, there's, there's two ways. If you don't follow that vision, that call that God has put upon your heart, one is going to go to everlasting punishment, into other into eternal life. So make sure you follow that call that God has placed in your heart. It has eternal consequences, just even those little things. And then in closing, I'll just read the Great Commission there in Matthew 28. Go, teach, and baptize. 18, uh, no, sorry, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus said and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen.